You guys okay? Okay. Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 1 to the first half of verse 3. Righteous are you, O Lord, when I complain to you, yet I would plead my case before you. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all who are treacherous thrive? You plant them and they take root. They grow and produce fruit. You are near in their mouth and far from their heart. But you, O Lord, know me. You see me and test my heart toward you. Okay, let's pray. Father, we just uh, surrender to you. We give our lives to you. We pray that you would speak in a way that we can uh, understand. We pray, uh, Jesus, that you would minister to your people because you are the head of the, of the church and every church that bears your name. Um, Holy Spirit, we invite you to soften hearts, open eyes and ears so that we can hear the shepherd's voice. We surrender this time to you. We bind and rebuke any unclean spirit that's trying to bother us, distract us, we pray that we would be able to focus on your voice and your voice alone. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been talking about um, just fundamental things about the Christian faith. We mentioned, I, th- I think it was last week, about dying to the self and denying the self, taking up a cross, following Jesus. Um, if I were to ask another question, like what is the calling of every Christian? you guys have an answer? I think we're small enough that we can do this exercise. What is the calling of every Christian? Salvation. Salvation, yes. Yeah, that is true. It is to be saved. That is the primary calling of every Christian is God wants you to be saved. Anything else? To glorify God. To glorify God, yes, yes, yes. Make disciples, make disciples yes. Sophia? Try not to sin. Yes, that's important. That's a good one. Yes, Pauline? Become like Jesus. Amen. These are great. Joshua? Be the bride of Christ. Yes, yes. These are all great answers. To follow Jesus. Yes, amen. The calling, uh, this is the, the phrase that God gave me, the calling of every Christian is to have faith uh, and to be faithful. To have faith and be faithful. To have faith means to trust in Jesus, uh, to become like Jesus, to hold on to Jesus. Uh, to be faithful is whatever assignment he gives you, whatever season he, you're in, is to be faithful in that until the Lord promotes you, until he changes uh, direction for you. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 uh, expresses it this way. uh, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. For we are God's workmanship, prepared for good works. And so I think the order is important. Uh, I think we tend, uh, especially the zealous ones among us, we want to get to the work. Like, what is my specific task, assignment? How can I uh, um, understand my gifting and and exercise it in the church? And we want to jump the first part of the verse, the workmanship. We want to do the work of the Lord. Uh, But the first thing God wants is to mold us, to shape us. We are His 
workmanship. And so why do we uh, start each day by surrendering and repenting? Uh, we're saying that I am not the, I am I am just a lump of clay in the potter's hands. I am giving my life to you. Can you shape me? And and the answers already came out. Can you shape me in the image of Christ? Uh, can you make me into a new creation? And wherever I fall short, uh, that's where I need to repent. And so we surrender, repent. That's our part. God does all the rest. He he restores us. He reshapes us. He remolds us. He makes us just like His Son. And so the workmanship, uh, we start with God's work. We are, we are God's work. He is doing the work. And, and our part is to just surrender, to repent. And then from there follows good works that he has prepared in advance. And he's prepared in advance things that are unique to each of us. Uh, there are things that only I am supposed to do, that no one should try to step in my shoes and do them because it's, it's my work. God has already prepared it before the foundation of the earth. Uh, there are other uh, um, good works that only you can do. And, and part of the Christian journey is, is we are exercising our faith. We are, being, uh, we are saying, I trust in Jesus no matter what is happening around me, even though this world is going crazy, even though my circumstances are miserable. I am putting my absolute trust in Jesus. Uh, and along the way, God will give you good works to do. And so in your family, only there's only one set of parents and one set of children. Only you can be a good spouse to your spouse. Only you can be a good parent to, to your children. Only, your, only the children can honor your unique set of parents. And so nobody else can step in and do these works, uh, but we are given good works to do beforehand. Um, and so God's workmanship, uh, God is doing the work in us internally, and then we are externally doing uh, good works uh, for the glory of God. This calling of having faith and then being faithful, we see it in the life of Jeremiah. And so if you can turn with me, we read Jeremiah 12. Now let's go to the beginning of Jeremiah's calling. Jeremiah 1, verse 4. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I, ador I, I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Before the foundation of the world, God chose you to be saved. And so the calling for every believer, the primary calling is to be saved. And what do we do in response to God's invitation to be saved is we hold on to Jesus, uh, the author and perfecter of our faith. And this is even before you did a thing. Even before you came out of your mother's womb, there was a destiny that was placed on your life. And you need to discover that. Uh, no one can, can tell you what, what you're supposed to do. Uh, there's, a, there's a call upon your life to be saved and to progress to do good works as you are shaped into the workmanship of Christ, uh, into the image of Christ. And there are certain good works that, that you need to figure out. And God has set you apart for this. <clears throat> and, and, and we don't know uh, when that moment will come for each person. Uh, in Jeremiah's case, it came when he was a youth. It says in verse uh, 6, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. And so Jeremiah, he is called to this incredible task of being a prophet 
to the nations. He's been sanctified. He's been set apart for this one holy calling to be this prophet. And he and it happens in this moment while he's still a youth. And so we... Um, as as we we know we understand we're called to be saved we're we're surrendering we're repenting and God is shaping us we're this lump of clay He's forming us into the image of Christ He's making us a new creation in Christ as we surrender repent and somewhere along our journey it, there comes a moment when your calling becomes clear and it's very unique it's tailor made for uh, for you. Uh, it's not a church program. Just because you're part of this church, it's not our job, it's not my job to say, all of us in this church, we're going to follow this one unique thing. And so just get in line, and, and it's going to be top down. I'm going to tell you all the ministries this church is going to do, and you just pick one, volunteer. If not, I'm going to twist your arm, and we're all going to do college ministry. We're all going to do, uh, we're all gonna do uh, uh, ministry to the poor. We're all going to uh, uh, try to end sex trafficking, whatever. Uh, whatever I think is is from the Lord, I'm just going to assign it to you. You're going to volunteer. Uh, we're going to do this thing together. I don't think that's how it's supposed to be. Uh, in Jeremiah's case, when he was a youth, and so prior to this, he's just being, he's just ex- expressing his faith. He's surrendering his life. He's he's being shaped and prepared for for this moment. And the moment comes when he's a youth, and it's a very unique calling to be a prophet to the nations. And Jeremiah's response is, I cannot speak. I'm young. All these excuses. And so uh, you you meet some people in in a church context that the first thing they want to do is serve. Uh, it's like I, I barely met you. They want to serve. They want to preach. They want to be ordained. They they have all these things, and and they just we just met. Uh, and I, I just wonder, like, can, can we just slow down? Let's just spend some time together. Let's let's do life together. Let's get to know one another. Uh, let's discern uh, this this uh, this call upon your life that you think you have. Uh, I think when I when I look at people like Moses, when I look at uh, Jeremiah, when I look at um, various people in Scripture, when God's call comes upon them, there is a great reluctance. Like, it's weird because God is preparing you your, your whole life for this moment. The moment comes, and then you say, I can't do it. I can't speak. I'm young. Uh, and, and I think this just shows, like, th- there may come a time, even in the history of this church, where a young person in this church will rise into spiritual prominence, and I will have to just take a back seat. Because, because you, as a young person, are, are being groomed, and you're, and you're far surpassing everyone's spiritual maturity in this place. And then, at that point, I will just take a back seat and say, okay, why don't you, why don't you um, exercise your gifts? Because it's not about age. It's not about age. It's not about experience. And not, it's not like the older person, oldest people in the room are always going to run the show. It's, it's whoever God calls. And so to pastor is whoever God calls, to be a prophet, whoever God calls, to be a worship leader, whoever God calls, to, to end sex trafficking, whoever God calls. It's unique callings upon each person. And you need to hear it for yourself. And it comes in a moment. And when that moment comes, um, I think the way God designs it is the calling is always far more than we can handle. 
Like if it was easy, if it was something we could just exercise in our flesh because we're talented, we're eloquent, uh, we're good, we have leadership skills, and so that's why we just think anything God gives me, I can do it. I volunteer for everything. I want to do everything. I have all these grandiose plans. Uh, I think the way God does it is He prepares you your whole life for a moment. And then he speaks to you in that moment. And then when that moment comes, you say, I can't do it. Because I'm young and I can't speak. Moses, the same way. I can't speak. Send somebody else. Well, God gives, God sends uh, his brother. God gives all equips. And we see this also in Jeremiah's life. The Lord says in verse 7, But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am a youth. For you shall go to all to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. And so God's response is, do not say that. Do not say that you're young. Don't, don't have these excuses. I am with you. You're going to speak in front of people. They're going to have these cringy faces of disapproval. And you're going to, you're going to, you're going to want to, to cower before these, these uh, uh, elderly people, these people of authority, people of standing. And you're going to want to cower before these people. But I will deliver you. I am with you. And I will, I'm for you. And then what does God do in verse 9? Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. If you're a prophet, the main tool that you have is your speech. And so what does the Lord do? He, he touches the mouth. And so if you have a gifting uh, from the Lord, God will equip you by touching that area, by gifting you in that area. And you just have to be faithful that when it's time to go, you go without hesitation. Uh, everything else, everything before that is just preparation. But that moment comes, he touches you, and then you go. And then the second half of verse 9, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. This is the Lord speaking. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy, and to throw down, to build, and to plant. Did you notice at the beginning, God says, I am calling you to be a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah says, I can't do it. I'm young, I can't speak. God, God responds, don't say that you're young. I am equipping you. Here, let me touch you in your mouth. And then, God clarifies a call. Before it was just general, be a prophet to the nations. Now he says, with your mouth that I've equipped you to use, you will root out, pull down, destroy, throw down, build, and plant. And so God clarifies the call. You know, I had a call upon my life when I was 1996, when I was a senior in college graduating. And so any message about giving your all to Jesus, about surrendering, like what does it profit a man to gain the whole world um, uh, and lose his soul? And so at, in my senior year of college and as I was graduating, uh, these, these themes just kept resonating in my heart. Don't worry about money. Don't care about money. Don't, don't worry about all the d different career choices that you think you've been preparing for your whole life for. I have a different path for you. And in that moment, in that season of my graduating, uh, my graduating uh, from, from college, God kept on saying, I've called you to be a pastor. 
And, and, and I, I, I received that call. But then there was a 15-year waiting period uh, where I didn't know, like, when am I going to get a chance? Like I, and I'm doing computers, and I'm doing IT, um, and, and I'm driving to West Hollywood uh, an hour and a half some days, and, and, and uh, my boss throwing coffee cups on the, on the window and obscenities being because it's so much stress because it's a family business. And so when the company does well, the, this couple's family uh, finances are doing well. When the company is not doing well, their company, this couple's finances are not doing well. And so there's a lot of stress, a lot of cursing. And I'm doing this year after year, driving and so miserable it's like why am i going there and it's like and so god just kept reminding me just just remember i called you hold on to me trust me trust in jesus and be faithful right now you're just this is what i have for you just be faithful and i did this and then finally god gave me a chance and i was able to pastor and then i had certain plans and it didn't pan out the way i i thought and then i'm awaiting another year Five years, ten years, things are unfolding, but not the way that I expected. And God is just saying, just be faithful. Just trust me and be faithful. Have faith in Jesus. Be faithful. Just do what I ask you to do. And in a moment, God can change directions. I think that's the way it is. Like, we do it reverse. We focus on the work. We ignore ourselves, the workmanship that we are, that God is doing in us. We just want to do the work. And so when we're, when we're unhappy with the work, we go after the different set of work. We chase after a different career, a different church, a different ministry, whatever. It's, it's like we're doing it backwards. The way we're supposed to do is we're, we surrender ourselves. We repent because we're not being shaped. Uh, we're, we're like this lump of clay that has a mind of its own. And so the pot is trying to shape you this way. And you're like saying, I don't want to be shaped like that. I want to go this direction. And I don't care about my character and my, and my, humi- my lack of humility and my impatience. I, I want to I do this. And so we keep on going in toward the work. And, and we ignore what's happening internally. And we think a change of circumstance is what we need. When the way God does it is you look at Jeremiah, is you just surrender. You repent and you just hold on to Jesus. Hold on to your faith. You be faithful to whatever Jeremiah was doing in his youth by honoring his parents, by, by going to the field and gardening. Whatever he's doing in his, in, his, in his youthful days, he's being prepared. And in a moment, God speaks and sees your faithfulness. He sees that you've been passing tests. The promotion comes. And, and for those who are in school, you're getting to the end of the school year or maybe you just had finals. And so you, you go through your series of, of classes, of lectures. At the end, there's a test. If you pass, you get promoted to the next, uh, to the next grade. The same in the Christian life. We're, we're just passing series of of small uh, midterm exams, little quizzes along the way. And when God sees that you have faith in Jesus and you are being faithful in the season, then at the end of that season, when it's time to be promoted, he gives you the final exam and you pass it and then you get promoted. I think this is how Jeremiah, he's just doing life, having faith, because it's impossible to please God without faith. Jeremiah must be a righteous man. There's a reason why Jeremiah is picked, handpicked by the Lord. And he must be faithful. And because he is faithful, God promotes him to be a prophet to the nations. 
What causes us to waver in our calling? Because if our calling is to have absolute trust in Jesus and to be faithful in the season that we're in, what causes us to waver? I think there's two things. One is we get discouraged about ourselves. We're this lump of clay that should be just resting in the, in the potter's hands. But we examine our own life and we see there's a lot of lumps in this clay. There's a lot of things. When you examine yourself, sometimes I think we can be harsher with ourselves than even the Heavenly Father is. Uh, We can feel more condemned because Satan is lying to us. And we look at ourselves internally and say, we're not bearing the fruit uh, that we should be. We're, we're, we're not uh, the, this workmanship in the, in the Father's hands. We're, we're still so lumpy and, and so full of thorns. And so that's one area. Like internally we examine something is not right and we get so discouraged, so condemned, and that derails us uh, from trusting in Jesus and being faithful. I think the other thing is our circumstances. We look at our circumstances in our family, in our work, and and for us now living in 2022, we look at our world circumstances and wonder what is going on. Is there ever going to be a change? Is evil ever going to be held to account? Are are things ever going to get exposed? Are are we ever going to see God's victory in in the natural, in the current events? Is there ever going to be a turn in this country and around the world? And so we can look at our circumstances, look at our country, look at our world, and, and, and that can also discourage us. 1 Corinthians 15, uh, we, we read this uh, recently, verse 54, second half. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is is not in vain. We look at ourselves, we get discouraged. Uh, we look at this world or, or a unique set of circumstances, we discourage. And what does Satan do? In, in our discouragement, he moves us away from Jesus Christ. We no longer hold on to Jesus, but we, we, we get discouraged. Our, our, our hands become weak. Our knees become weak. Instead of moving, we just, we're, just, we're, just, we're just falling down on our face, unable to get up. And this, this whole section is either death is swallowed up in victory by life or, or death swallows us up. And when we get discouraged, it's like we are being swallowed up by our circumstances, by our own sense of, I am not where I should be. I'm not growing the way I should be. I'm still this person. So many years later, you feel condemned. You feel guilty. The, the slanderer is accusing you day and night. And this happens. And so instead of being steadfast, we get moved and we fall apart. And God's encouragement from 1 Corinthians 15 is be steadfast. That means have a solid base. Be well-seated. Do not be moved. And then to be immovable means to be firm. And so in other words, when you feel discouragement creeping in, either because of yourself, because of your circumstances, or for many of us, at least because of this world situation, instead of being discouraged, do not give up. Instead, 
Stay the course. Be immovable. Stay the course, which means hold on to Jesus. We understand in our, in our personal sanctification, things don't always make sense. Things are not always progressing the way we want. Things are, uh, things are maybe, uh, uh, um, we're not the person that we thought we would be many years into this Christian journey. Also, in our set, set of circumstances, we thought there'd be this type of promotion, this type of fruit, this type of uh, being used of God. Whatever, whatever circumstances you're in, you thought you would have this much money, uh, you'd have this kind of a title at your job, you'd be having this kind of influence in the world. Whatever your unique set of circumstances, you can be discouraged. Or in our world, God, are you there? God, are you fighting for us? God, are you hearing the prayers of the remnant? When will you turn this thing around? There's been prophets who've been speaking that you're going to do it, but when are you going to do it, Lord? And so there's this discouragement that can creep in, but we must be steadfast. We must be firm, immovable. We must stay the course, which means hold on to Jesus. When life doesn't make sense, hold on to Jesus. And it says your work, you must abound in it. This is the good work that he's prepared in advance for you to do. It's unique to you. It's unique to me. This is something we need to abound in, the task, the assignment. And then it says that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And this labor is toilsome, is tiring. It leads to fatigue. God knows that when you serve him, you're serving behind enemy lines. You're serving a people who, who, like yourself, can be stubborn at times. You're, 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 you're praying for a nation that is to kick God out of, out of, out of its, out of, uh, out of its na- national discourse. And, and so you're, we're preaching, and yet there doesn't seem like there's fruit. It doesn't seem like there's change. And, and we can get frustrated, uh, and it can feel burdensome, and at least to fatigue weariness but God's encouragement is it is not in vain we may think it's in vain we may think our efforts are empty like why should I wake up early why should I pray why should I read the Bible why should I listen to the Bible why should I show up at church when I'm not changing when my circumstances are not changing when this world is not changing why should I do the things that I'm told to do when I don't see the change and it seems like it's empty. We, we, it seems like we're being foolish. It seems like it's ineffective. All that we do is not changing me. It's not changing the circumstances. It's not changing our nation. It's not changing our world. And, and yet God says, it is not in vain. Just hold on to Jesus. Trust him when it doesn't make sense. Be faithful. Keep going. Stay the course. How does God prepare us for our calling? James chapter 1 gives the answer. James chapter 1 verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Uh, When it says trials, uh, whenever we're in a trial, and I think many of us, uh, are in a trial right now personally at least on a world scale we are in a trial uh, and there are two opposing forces whenever there's a trial there's satan the tempter who wants to derail us who wants us to let go of jesus who wants us to stop trusting in jesus because things are so hard the pressure is so much uh, and and so that is the tempter's job god is using the same trial 
to test us, to prove our faith indeed is sincere. It is getting strengthened. And so it's like the final exam. He wants to show to Satan, to all of creation, even to yourself, that you've not labored in vain. There is a test that's coming, and when you pass it, there's a promotion, and you're going to see it. Uh, and there's going to be fruit at the end because the testing of your faith. And so in this context, it's not Satan primarily who's using the trial. It is God who's testing us through the trial. And it says the testing of your faith produces patience. The better translation is steadfastness. The same connotation as 1 Corinthians 15. Do, do be steadfast. Uh, be, be immovable, abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. This steadfastness comes at the tail end of a faith that has been tested. And so when, you're, and so when you think, okay, how can I strengthen in my faith? How can I level up? How can I pass? It is when you are going through a difficult, confusing, frustrating season, and yet you hold on to Jesus, and yet you still open your Bible, and yet you still uh, read the Bible, you still listen to the Bible, you still pray, you still serve, you still show up on a Sunday, you still... uh, uh, um, gather on a Sunday to, to spur one another to love and to good deeds. And you do this faithfully. And at the tail end of this testing period when it doesn't make sense, there is a steadfastness that's been produced in you. And this steadfastness in verse 4, when it's perfected, perfects us. And the perfection is we've reached the end. What is the end? The end goal is to become the workmanship, is to become like Jesus, a mini Jesus. And, and so for us to get there, we don't get there by having an easy life, by having just, just, uh, just cruise control in my Tesla with a convertible down, and I'm just cruising through life. We don't grow that way. We grow through difficulty. We grow through trials. We grow through frustration. We grow through confusion. When you don't know what, 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 where your next step should be, and things are just out of, uh, just, uh, everything's out of sorts, and you're, and you're asking the Lord, and, and there's a temptation always to give up and to just just turn on Netflix and just binge your life away. And there's always a temptation to give up. You might not express it, but through your actions, you can see whether you're being faithful and, and, and passing the test or you're giving up. If, if you pass the test at the end, the steadfastness, when it's perfected, perfects us. We are perfected into Christ's likeness. We are complete, meaning we are whole. We've done our part. We've surrendered, repented. We've just given ourselves into the potter's hands, the lump of clay, and then he fashions us. He shapes us into a mini Jesus. We are the good workmanship prepared for good works. So James chapter 1 uh, reminds me that without pain, there is no gain. 
You may want to be fit, but unless you exercise, there is no gain. Unless you can discipline your mind and say, I will not eat the Cheetos. I'm not going to stuff my face with Cheetos. I'm not going to eat at midnight. I used to do this when I'm 20 years old and I could get away with it. In my late 40s, I cannot get away with it. And so without pain, there is no gain. And so for the Christian, we have to understand there, we discipline our life. We need to be diligent. We need to pursue the Lord. And in the end, we surrender to him and say I, I i i don't know how to do this i'm just holding on to jesus i'm just being faithful with what i know and at the end like jeremiah god comes in a moment and says i've seen your faithfulness your promotion is coming and if we fast forward to later in jeremiah's journey the text that we read jeremiah 12 verse 1 Righteous are you, O Lord, when I plead with you. Yet let me talk with you about your judgments. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why are those happy who deal so treacherously? You have planted them. You have planted them. Yes, they have taken root. They grow. Yes, they bear fruit. You are near in their mouth, but far from their mind. And here it's talking not about the world being prosperous. It's talking about people in God's church who Jeremiah is frustrated that these people just give lip service and yet they are prospering in the world. They have all the money. They have all the positions. It seems like God is showing favor to them. It seems like there is fruit. God is on their lips and yet in Jeremiah's estimation they are far from the Lord. And so these are just people who give lip service, people who are career-oriented, people who are successful, people who have God and everything else. They're a friend of God. They're a friend of this world. And Jeremiah is frustrated. I am a prophet of God. I've been preaching repentance. I've been living in this kind of a, a difficult assignment. And you're calling me to preach to these people. And they're not turning Haven't we been there? That we, we think we were faithful and we, maybe we are faithful and, and, and God doesn't seem to show us favor. And to the other people that we think, okay, that person doesn't have a relationship with, with God that I would think is right and yet on the surface they have everything and there's a frustration that can set in when you see people in God's church flourishing more than you. And you think you're better. You think you know God better. It's like, what, God, this is really backwards. Like, I'm, I'm doing your work, and I'm suffering for it. They're in God's church. They're in the temple of the Lord. And there's peace in their life. There's prosperity in their life. What is going on? This is Jeremiah's complaint as he's uh, being faithful to his calling. And it says in verse 3, the first half, but you, O Lord, know me. You have seen me. You have tested my heart toward you. I want to end with this encouragement. If you've been holding on to Jesus, if you've been exercising your faith, and you say, I don't understand what's happening in my life. I don't understand what's happening in my set of circumstances. I don't know what's happening in America. I don't know what's happening in this world. But Lord, I trust in Jesus. 
And whatever assignment He's given you in your family, you've been faithful. Uh, to, your, to your spouse, you've been faithful. To your children, you've been faithful. At your job, you've been faithful. At your studies, you've been faithful. You know, sp- students who are not faithful in, in your studies, um, chances are the character is not built in there so that when it's time to serve the Lord, like really serve the Lord, it's like your character can't, can't measure up to the task. Um, and so there, there's a, God needs to work with something, the lump of clay, there needs to be some elements in there. Uh, um, there has to be the right moisture, the right, uh, the clay needs to be the right amount. And so I think before you get used of God, just being faithful is a big, big part of life. You're just being diligent, you're just being faithful as a student, as a son, as a daughter, as a worker, and then God calls you to another assignment. Everything you did in the past is not wasted. Paul being the Pharisee of the Pharisees was not wasted. Paul being educated uh, more than, than the other apostles who were just fishermen, that was not wasted. There was, he had access to philosophers and he could speak to governors and he, he was a Roman citizen, yet he was trained like a Jew, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. And so whatever you do prior to God calling you, it's not wasted. And so don't think that this job is worthless and so I don't have to do it well. My studies is meaningless. I don't have to study hard. No, it's training. Everything is training for whatever God has for you because God has a destiny for you. And you, will, you may know it already. And so you, might, you may know it and you're already progressing and you're already living and walking into it. You, some of us here, you may not know it. And so what can you do? Just trust in Jesus. Be faithful when God calls you, you'll know it. I knew it in 1996. I didn't know how it was going to happen, when it was going to happen. I knew it a little bit more clearly when I was ordained uh, in 2011. But still, I'm uh, still struggling, trying to figure it out in the early years. Now, 10, what is it, 11 years into it, I'm still trying to figure it out. And so there's a, there's a thing that God gives you, and then you just walk it out as much as you know. If you don't know it, you just, before you know what the calling is, you just are faithful. Just be faithful as a spouse, faithful as, uh, as a parent, faithful as a kid to your parent, faithful in your studies, faithful in your work. God will use it. It's not in vain. And then Jeremiah confesses that he says, you know me. How comforting is that? When you are frustrated with yourself, maybe, maybe you're harder on yourself than God is on you. Because the Satan has, has, has spoken his lies. He's accused you and say, how can you say that you're a believer? How can you say that you, you are a follower of Jesus and you're still, uh, you still have a temper? You still have this addiction. You still, you're still this lumpy clay. And I think when God looks at us, Maybe he's more generous with us than we are with ourselves. And it's so comforting to me that God says he knows me. He knows my strengths. He knows my weaknesses. He knows my flaws. He knows my imperfections. He knows the area in which he's watering the lumpy clay to soften the area. He's well aware. He's pruning things out of my life. He's a gardener. He's well aware and how comforting that we are just in his hands and we're being shaped into being a good workmanship. He knows me, and then he says, you've seen, you've seen me. 
Not only does he know you, he sees you. He sees the circumstances that you're in. It's unique to you. Your, your family, your parents, uh, your spouse, your boss, everything about you is unique to you. No one else can speak to what God sees in you because none of us sees what God sees. God sees it all. And so how comforting, not only, like for Jeremiah, his confession is, Lord, you know me, you see the situation I'm in. You see I'm faithful, my ministry is not flourishing. I'm being faithful to you. Why are other people seemingly prospering in the world? I'm not prospering in the same way. And he says, you know me and you see me. And here's the important part. It says, and you have tested my heart toward you. How does God produce steadfastness in us so that we can be prepared for the promotion, so that we can be prepared uh, for the good works that he's prepared in advance before the foundation of the world? It was unique to you. No one else in the world can do it, just you. How is he preparing us? He's preparing us through trials through difficulties, through confusion, through frustration. And if you exercise your faith in Jesus, say, Jesus, I don't understand, but I trust you and whatever assignment, even small, that I'm just faithful in it. I'm just doing it the way uh, as best I can. Although I'm fumbling at times, although I'm struggling at times, I'm trying to be faithful. This steadfastness gets produced in us through, this, through the trial, you pass the trial, the promotion comes. The fruit comes. It's not our job to, to locate our calling, to chase our calling, to, 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 to change our circumstances. We just surrender. Let God, let God promote you. Let God tell you what your assignment is. Let God place you in the assignment. We don't have to be anxious. We don't have to be restless. We are just surrendered Jeremiah is just doing life. He's a youth. He has no cares in the world. He just has his faith. He's just being faithful. In a moment, God calls him. I think that's how it should be. We don't have to chase our calling, figure out our calling, and, and make it so burdensome. Just have your faith. Exercise your faith. Say, Jesus, I trust you. Be faithful in whatever task, even seemingly small, he's given to you. And then in a moment, God will come to you. He will promote you and say, here is what I, what I want you to do. Now walk it out. Okay, let's pray. Father, when we, when we look at Jeremiah's life, even though he was a youth, you must have been so real to him. He must have been righteous in your sight, pleasing in your sight. He must have had faith in you and faith in Jesus Christ because, Jesus, you're the same yesterday, today, forever. And so he put his absolute faith in Christ. He was faithful as a youth, whatever he had to do. In his studies, in his gardening, in his trade, whatever he was doing, he was faithful. And then in a moment, you promoted him, you called him. Everything was planned beforehand. While in the womb, the destiny was already set in motion. And so, Lord, we ask for all of us here, 
We know there's a destiny upon us. We know there's a call upon us. It is to be saved. It is to hold on to Jesus, but also there are good works to be walked out. Some of us, we know what they are, and we're walking it out as best we can. Others, we don't know. Lord, help us to be faithful. Help us to trust in Jesus. Help us to wait on you because you will come at your appointed time. You will, you will get us ready in your time, in your way. You're going to move us. You're going to promote us. You're going to equip us. We're going to be fruitful. Maybe not the way that we think, but we will be faithful in the task. We'll be gifted to do the task. Father, all of this is yours. Our part is just to surrender and repent. Just be the lump of clay surrendered in the potter's hands. Lord, we pray that you make us into a, a masterpiece, a workmanship in Christ Jesus, to be a mini Jesus. And Lord, from there we pray that we would do good works for the glory of God. Please minister to us as we partake in the Lord's Supper. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Please spend some time in prayer. And after you finish prayer, uh, if you'd like to receive prayer from me or someone else, please come forward. We'd love to pray for you. Uh, if not, uh, please uh, partake in the Lord's Supper whenever you're ready. Can I pray?